G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The story. Like I'd never been bullied as a kid. Uh, high school, never been bullied. Had you know really pleasant experiences working with people in churches. And it was only when I went overseas that I experienced bullying, and, and so I've actually had this real passion now to support vulnerable people and people who are in a bullying situation. So as a school chaplain, when I became a chaplain, it was like uh, any kid that was being bullied, I'd just really take that on board and help them as much as I could. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we're going to hear Peter Kavanagh's unique life journey. It's a bit of a different one in that many struggles he went through began when he and his wife became missionaries. However, as we will hear, the Lord is faithful and many good things have ultimately come out of the challenges they went through. Peter is having a chat and sharing his story with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios. Peter Kavanaugh has a passion for helping people improve relationships. He has worked to these ends as a teacher, a school counselor, a school chaplain, and a pastor. He has a track record as an innovator and has even developed a tool to help prevent bullying in schools called trust mapping. We'll find out his unique story today. Welcome to the program, Peter Kavanaugh. Hey, Eric. Good to see you. Glad to have you with us. And we have so much to your life. There's so many things that you've been involved in innovating different tools, but let's get started all the way back to your childhood. Where were you born and raised? Uh, I was born in Maui and grew up in Churchill, um, Latrobe Valley mining town and um, lived on a cute little farm, 10 acres. And were you raised in a Christian family? Yep. Yeah. Christian family. Yeah. My dad was into the Gideons, a Bible distribution group. And so I grew up with lots of Bibles. Yeah. And what age did you become a Christian? Yeah. About nine. I trusted Jesus. And then going into your high school years, you were involved in leading Christian youth groups? Yeah, yeah. By about the age of 15, I was put in charge of yeah, youth groups and camps and so forth and leading them, yeah. So I, all going well, strong in your faith? Yeah, my family moved to a, a campsite called Forest Edge, and I really enjoyed that. And Yeah, at school, leading Christian groups and that, yep. So all kind of cruising along in your faith, go to university, how did that go? Yeah, university was was rough. Just um, I was doing an arts degree, so just exposed to lots of different ideas. Um, lived on campus in college, so lots of moral issues about you know drinking and so forth. And yeah, so I just found it a real challenge. Also, was st- studying some Jewish history, and uh, the Jewish history were uh, poking at Christianity as being a problem. Uh, and I'd never really experienced that. I'd always seen it as such a positive thing. And um, so, yeah, with all these things, you know, atheist lecturers, Jewish lecturers, um, moral difficulties that in the campuses, you just I just came to a point of, you know, is is any of this true? But come out of that be- believing in Jesus. Um, so your faith for the first time in your life was really being challenged. Yeah, I remember reading the whole Bible through maybe in a two-month period and just um, questioning everything that I've ever been told about Jesus and, you know, was it actually what the Bible said? Um, but, yeah, came through that time, met my wife uh, that year, so a really difficult year, but I m- met Mim and that was a beautiful time, yeah. So could you say that you kind of went from childhood Christianity to more of an adult faith? Mm. Would that be a fair way of summing That's it up? a great way of saying it, yeah. 
Okay, so you got through that challenge, kind of a, a doubting period, going from strength to strength, and then what was the next part of your life? Uh, so I became a youth pastor, just really uh, enthusiastic about telling people about Jesus and uh, living a real faith with people. Um, loved that and just built up a, a good core core of young people. Um, and then we took a trip to the Philippines and uh, a, an island called Mindanao, just really impacted by just the need around the globe. And so um came back from that and my wife has already committed to supporting missions. She'd been to Ukarampa in Papua New Guinea, but um, I got on board and so we, we decided we'd become missionaries. Um, went to Bible college for two years in Sydney. and With the intention of eventually becoming a missionary? Yeah, yeah, just to get equipped. And mm-hmm. and then um, a year back in, in Victoria and then before we went to Vietnam. So now this is all sounding like the ideal Christian life. You know, a strong faith, had some challenges, some doubts, but came through it. Bible school, going to be a missionary. I mean, what more could any parent ask for? Their their child, they're growing as a strong Christian. Yeah. Sounds too good to be true. Yeah, yeah. So um, we hit Southeast Asia or Vietnam and um, we found that our team was really difficult to deal with. Um, so with, had, with the ministry that you had gone to be a missionary with? Yeah, the leaders leadership there was really difficult and so yeah we just actually found that uh, it was quite abusive um in what way uh so it was very controlling and Mm. so we we weren't allowed to have anyone in our house who we weren't introduced to by our leaders um uh, he was yeah quite fearful because of uh, the communist country and so forth so um, and also just uh, aggressive and um Mm. uh, attacking my wife mim in, in a yeah, in a particular meeting that was really difficult and yeah. So it was hard. that had to be very disappointing that mm. you know, you'd saved up, yep. you had people Spent supporting you, trained two years at Bible college, yep. And then you get there and I guess you could say you felt like you weren't being respected or kind of being Yeah. Strong armed in some ways. Yeah, yeah. So we made the decision that we would look to move to another city. Um we took a trip to kinda get away from the guy that yeah, and the other thing was that that we didn't realize how strong the Christian church in Saigon was. Um, there's heaps of really good churches there already. Um, we wanted to go to a place where there wasn't many, so we, we mm-hmm. decided we'd move to the center, which is Huey. Um, I, I just wanted to ask, so it's a communist country, but it does allow some Christianity? Yeah, 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 for sure, yeah. Yep. So there's a kind of a freedom of religion to a certain um, extent? It's not a freedom of religion, but there's... Um, yeah, the, the evangelical church has a relationship with the government. Yeah, the, the government-approved churches, yep. Just like in China there is, yeah. So I'm just wondering, you said that the leadership of the ministry was kind of controlling. Would they say, well, we had to be because we're in a communist country and you have to be careful? Would that be yeah. kind of yep, sure. part of yeah. what they're thinking? Yeah, yeah. So so like we had you know, police come to our house in the middle of the night Why twice. was that? Um, various issues. Uh, I would say that it's actually though to push you so that you'd give bribes. That's my take on it, but I might be wrong. Um, yeah, but you know, the dozen cops turn up and tell you to wake your little kids and bring them down. And wow, so yeah. it's very easy to get things wrong culturally. Yeah, but when you have a kind of a controlling government, yep, you don't want to get on the wrong side of them. Yep, and then you have a controlling team, yeah, or team leadership. Um, so, yeah, so we tried to move to Huey. Um, my daughter had an accident on that trip. and um, She tripped and fell? She tripped and fell and was unconscious for over 30 minutes. Wow. Um, really, really quite frightening. 
and when we came back, we were actually, instead of being uh, received well by our, our team, um, uh, my wife was really attacked uh, verbally by, by our leader. Yeah. So, Not what you would expect. No, you wouldn't expect that yeah. from Christians who, were, yeah. you know, who follow Jesus and so take care of people. So then you thought, well, hey, I'll talk to the superior. Yeah. Surely they'll see. Yeah, one week later we had a trip from the uh, leader from Thailand, and uh, he said, you know, we, we could go and see – see the the leader but you and i know that would make no difference to the situation so we'll just let it be um and then he also told us not to communicate any of this with our leaders back in melbourne or our church elders so which is um big red flag yeah speaking of a red flag if you're ever in a ministry and they ask you not to talk about a challenge that you're going through i mean typically if you have a challenge in your faith something just doesn't seem right if you go to your pastor or a trusted christian mentor you know, you should talk to. That's a healthy thing to do, just yeah. to bounce things oh, off of them. Anyone, like even a kid in school, or you know, if someone's saying, "Don't tell someone," that's always oh, a yeah, red flag. It's a red flag that something's not quite right. I mean, something. Christianity is all about the light, light yeah. And so good. you want to have light. You don't want to have things done in darkness. Yeah. But they're actually saying, "Don't talk." Yeah. Kind of the the don't talk rule. Yeah. Which is like a number one sign of a problem, church or ministry. Yep. Yep. So, so it took six months before we were allowed to leave this really traumatic experience. Uh, at the same time, we had a builder building on one side of our house, like literally on the side of our house. Um, constant construction noise, constantly. <laughs> it was just like craziness. Uh, but we couldn't leave because we um, wanted mm. to leave to the whole city. Um, yeah. So when we finally arrived back, um, our you know elders and our um, team leaders of the mission had no no clue of what we'd been through. Hmm. And so were you actually told at one point you can't leave? Well, the way abuse and a bullying occurs is they put you in a situation where you you can't do anything but what they tell you. So we're in a situation where it's not working and we want to leave. And our leaders say, well, you can't leave unless you do the right thing. And the right thing is to tell nobody. And to do whatever do what the I dysfunctional yeah. leader is asking you to yeah. do. Yeah, yep. So you kind of feel trapped. You're trapped, yeah. And, and then you go above that level. Yep. And then the dysfunctional leadership will support dysfunctional leadership. Yeah. Below. Yeah. And then you go to the third level higher. And they support the dysfunction. Yeah. So eventually you leave? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we were, we're actually our, our church elders. I, I didn't want to leave because there was um, some money tied up in the with you know that supporters had given and i wanted to use utilize that to you know, do more work so that's kind of a dilemma yeah so you eventually leave yep a I little leave, older and i have ten thousand dollars and so i invest that um in making a ministry tool to teach english around the globe because one of the things we saw when we we're overseas is how desired learning english is mm-hmm. so i made a tool um that would be a CD-ROM and you could copy it. And, you know, this is just as the web was sort of becoming really popular um, and people all around the world could access um, English, free English lessons that taught about the Bible as you studied English. Yeah. Well, how cool is that? Very cool, yeah. Because, yeah, everybody wants to learn English. Yeah. It's a way of getting ahead and, in business. Yep. And so what we've seen, uh, you know, people in my church have become Christians through it. Um, and, and In Vietnam? Uh, yeah, in Vietnam, we've heard of people in my city of Saigon who actually trusted Jesus because of the project that I invented. Oh, fantastic. In my country town 
in Australia, yeah, Victoria, <laughs> rather than being rather than being in um in Saigon. So yeah, like God has a very unusual ways of utilizing us for His purposes. Sometimes we think that it's all gone terribly wrong, but it hasn't. Uh, in his in his economy, mm-hmm. he's still. Um, Th- that, that's a very good way of putting it because mm. you could say, "Hey, I went to Bible school. Mm. I had people support me. All this, and it just went pear shaped with differences with the leadership." Yeah, and, and you could say, "No, no good's going to come out of this." Yeah, but God promises that good comes out of every situation. It doesn't. Um, you know, terrible things happen, like with Joseph. Um, you know, his brothers throw him down a well. Mm-hmm. He's yeah, a, a slave. And but and then when he meets his brothers later, he says, "You, know, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what's being done—the saving mm-hmm. of many yep. lives." So but that's yeah, good to know. Because, people will people yeah. will do us harm. Yeah, yeah. But God is is working even through their harm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both things are yeah. occurring at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to the story. Today, Christian innovator Peter Kavanagh is sharing his unique life journey. He's been a teacher, a school counsellor and chaplain and a pastor. Also, he's developed tools to share the gospel and to help prevent bullying in schools. We'll find out about that and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scadabo chatting with Christian innovator Peter Kavanagh. Before the break, we heard how he had less than pleasant experience as a missionary in Vietnam. However, through it all, he learned a number of valuable lessons and it cultivated within him a heart for helping those who have been bullied. And I guess through, through this, um, like I'd never been bullied as a kid, uh, high school, never been bullied. Um, had you know really pleasant experiences working with people in churches. Mm-hmm. It was only when I went overseas that I experienced bullying at a kind really, of a, a rude awakening. Yeah, at a really high level actually. Um, and, and so I've actually had this real passion now to support vulnerable people and people who are in a bullying situation. So as a school chaplain, when I became a chaplain, I was like. Uh, any kid that was being bullied, I'd just really take that on board and help them as much as I could. Because uh, you them. had been in a situation. I, I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't didn't realize that till recently. But yeah, it gave me a real heart for the vulnerable people. Um, it also, when I was in leadership, when we planted a church, um, it really checked my heart of not to lord it over people or, or dominate people. Mm. Yeah. There's a verse in the Bible about that. Sure. That's meant a lot to you in your life? Yeah, 1 Peter 5. Um, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So basically, don't lord it over people who are under you, that you're in authority over. Yeah, set an example of of godliness. and. So because uh, you had an example of that not being done in a healthy way... God kind of cultivated in you a heart for doing it the opposite, servant leadership. Yeah, I, I hope so. Like, um, you know, you'd have to ask the people that have been under me. Some might not agree. Some might think that <laughs> I... Yeah, you did go on to start a church, so we could ask them. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we started Rope Factory Church. Give me some phone numbers. I'm going to check up on you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, but it is difficult leading, so it's not not an easy thing to lead people. Um, So I suppose lording over is kind of an easy thing to fall into because why, you know, be nice and consult different people and all that when you could just say, hey, just do what I say. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a trap that a leader could fall into. Yeah, yep. Um, there's the two traps of not leading at all and of dominating, and they're somewhere in mani- the middle is is the leading healthy. like Jesus, mm-hmm. you know. Who you know, Jesus is very strong. You wouldn't read the Gospels and say that Jesus is not a strong leader, and yet he doesn't dominate. He doesn't insist on people doing his will. He gives people options. You know, you follow me or not follow me. Yeah. Okay, well, there's so many different things that you became involved in. You did say that you were a school chaplain and you had a heart for people who were kind of being ostracized. Yeah, bullied. Yeah, um, that's, it's been a big thing in Victorian schooling or Australian schooling. Um, yeah, and so I was just really um, – but what I, we'd put in lots of energy. There was actually a really good chaplain who wrote a book called Shared Responsibilities called Ian Finlay, and um, I loved it. And we'd find great um, results when we, we would you know, help – help bullying situations but even then you'd you'd go so much energy would go into bullying situations like the principal would be spending time with the the parents and you know people were so upset and the scars happened to kids and you just think if we could get ahead of it and and stop it happening before the events happen before the scars are there yeah, yeah that's it so i come up with a tool called trust mapping um, which is to look at kids and to preempt bullying well how good is that how basically does it work? Um, so every student in the group, and several schools have done this. So this is a yeah, you're theory. in about fifty schools now on five continents. Yeah, wow. But we wow. started in um, two little country schools in Victoria, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. So every student in the group refers to every other student in the group every term, and so and then you you can see um, you know, who who is most trusted and who's least trusted. So we turned it from looking at bullying to looking at trust. So relationships are formed on trust. So, um, and, and it doesn't stay the same. So people that you don't trust now can win your trust or vice versa. You can lose trust. And so to be able to see that and to see which students are not trusted, um, those students who feel not trusted but actually are, that's very interesting. So every student is kind of saying how they feel about Another student on a or, very s- simple, um, yeah, spectrum of trust. There's a five point point spectrum. So you say, "I'm at peace with them. We're friends. Um, where he's he or she is my um, trusted ally." So they're your positives. Then your negatives are, "I'm unsure of them," or thir- um, finally, they are actively against me. And so well, if they choose to say that they're actively against you, then then as a teacher, then you can go and ask them about that and you can put things in place so that um, bullying doesn't eventuate or if it is, you can respond to that immediately. Yeah. So that's a, a wonderful tool for a teacher to have mm. where they know student X feels that 10 people in the class are against them. Mm. Yeah, so um, a, a good teacher will always have some idea of what's going on. Yeah, um, just intuitively. Yeah, intuitively. And then a really good teacher will actually ask. So, like, you can go into a classroom and choose two kids that like you, and there's always a couple, and say, um, you know, what's going on in the class? You know, who's getting along and who's not getting along? And you can get some information about that. But this actually means you're asking every student every term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that, and of course, they, they don't have to tell you the, the, the in detail. They can... You know, but it gives them the opportunity and you can follow it up. So if a teacher looks at the results 
and knows kind of what this person here nobody likes or whatever, they can take positive, proactive steps to try to include them more into yeah. school activities. Is that kind so of how like, it works? For sure. So the first thing is the, the, the teachers themselves can rally around that student and be connecting to them. Now, that does two things. First of all, it gives them some connections, but it also means that if they run into troubles, they've already got some strong adult connections. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that one of my excellent teachers Larry McEwen up in Queensland did was he took one of the the really popular kids in his class and asked him if he would he was actually a Christian boy and said would you um, make friends with this other boy who was not connected and then over the year we saw him move right across to become one of the most connected students himself wow yeah so I mean that's got to feel really good that you were able to develop this tool yeah it's just a tool it's just a it's actually the teachers who do the hard work but yeah it's nice to be part of it so how does this tool practically help boys from not being bullies? Well, the tool is only only a litmus test. It only tells you that the work comes from the, the people themselves. But um, but one thing you can do is just have those conversations. So one of our excellent teachers, she will um, just sit sit people down. She'll, she'll put them together and work through. Now, she's very good at mediating. You wouldn't do that um, if you weren't good at it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, and just talk it through. Because often um, you know, things just go unsaid. And, and mm-hmm. if you're able to talk face-to-face, often bullies, which is this is an unusual thing, is bullies um, don't realise the pain they are causing. Mm-hmm. That Often. Um, there's, there is psychopathic, uh, sociopathic uh, issues, but majority of bullies just aren't concerned at all about the impact they're having. And once you actually get them to look at the impact, they don't like it. And often a bully has been bullied themselves. That's why they yeah, picked up yeah. this behaviour. Um, so if they can see, oh, I'm doing what what I hate, but I'm doing it to someone else, often that will be enough to curb their behaviour. In that. kind of like the golden rule, yeah, treat other people the way you want to be treated. Yep, yep. So so empathy is a really big one. So mm-hmm. um, so so to curb bullying behaviour, this is using Ian Finlay's advice. Um, I have interviews with the kids um, without the victim present. I talk to victims separately um, to equip them to be able to handle it. Um, but the, the bully, you would say to them, can you help me? So you don't come in aggressively. Can you mm-hmm. help me with a problem? Um, have you noticed that this, this person hasn't been doing so well? Um, do, you, do you know about bullying? You educate them about it. This is what you say to the yeah, bully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then um, often that's when they'll say, I've experienced it before, and then you can talk to them about that. Uh, then you talk to them about um, what can you do to improve the situation and then get them to sign that they'll do that and then um, finally say, I'll follow this up next week or whatever. It's interesting. Um, so you're kind of, hey, hey, there's a problem. Can you help me solve mm, this problem? Yep. So you're kind of getting them on your team, so to speak. Yep. When, and when seen, actually they are the problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've seen, I've seen three... I distinctly remember three kids sitting in my office doing this and saying, and two of them sort of had their arms crossed like, you know, I'm not going to help. And the third one's like, oh, sure, I can help. And what can you do to help? Well, I could invite him to play guitar in my band. I was like, okay. And then by the end of the day, (laughs) victims playing guitar with bullies, band, and they're all laughing and enjoying each other. This is grade six kids. Wow. That turned around quickly. Yeah. And it was just one kid who was able to realize you've done the wrong thing and you give them an opportunity to make it right and they yeah and some people want to make it right and they do yeah yeah now you mentioned earlier that hurt people hurt others yes that a lot of bullies were bullied yes so that's kind of the root cause are you dealing with that root cause well that's that's right once once it's a serial issue then you, you know you bring psychologists school counselors into the mix yeah 
Yep. So the first thing is, do you realize you're hurting others? So that helps. And then why are you doing that? Um, but that, that might be a more maturity issue. You mm-hmm. know, there's, there's, we've all got blind spots that we, you know, it might take a, a few years for them to come to the point of realizing why they're abusing others. But, mm-hmm. but if we can help them as children rather than waiting till when they're, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're married or, you know, abusing yeah, their yeah. own I mean, children. Well, unfortunately, yeah. yeah, that could carry yeah. over onto other relationships and in their adult lives with their coworkers and spouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've had, I've had year eight kids who are tough as nails, who are like aggressive and hurtful, like, you know, giving them Kleenexes because they're talking about their experience of being bullied when they're in grade three. Mm. A single is- abuse can impact us for the rest of our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so to, to find ways of dealing with that abuse rather than abusing others is really important for all of us, including myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's just kind of step back from this whole situation and look over everything we've chatted about. I mean, it's got to be very, very gratifying to know that even though you went through some tough stuff, it helped shape you and gave you a heart and maybe inspired you to develop this tool that is helping kids not have a terrible childhood. Yes. Is that a kind of a it is, simple yeah. way of summing it up? Yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. Thanks. I love, <laughs> I love, I love um, innovation. I love um, relationships. Um, love seeing people healthy. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and about the, some of the innovative things that you've been involved in. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Well, if you'd like to learn more about Trust Mapping, the tool that Peter Kavanagh developed to help prevent bullying, you can go to the website, trustmapping.com. That's trustmapping.com. Also, I think it's great that despite the difficulties in life that Peter faced, he decided to remain faithful to the Lord and keep serving Him. As it says in the book of Proverbs, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your path straight. Also it says in the book of Psalms, I lift up my eyes to the hills, for where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. If we keep our eyes on Him, He will see us through any challenges we may face and will make us stronger than ever before. Well, thanks for joining us for Peter's Story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I went back and just called out to God, really, and just said I need answers um, beyond man's wisdom and beyond man's approach. Mm -hmm. I need to know that if I embark on this journey of IVF that I'm covered by your sovereignty and by your grace and your permission, I guess, to do it. It was like, if I choose to do this, am I effectively murdering? (laughs) Like, it was pretty, pretty full on. While in New Zealand, Shelley Scowen sat down and had a chat with her friend, Debbie Hoffman, who, unfortunately, had a period of time that she struggled with infertility. Debbie will share the ups and downs that she and her husband went through next time. The The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. 